Adventure of the World, where daytime animation reigns in the world of Batman the Animated Series. Using stunning visuals and outstanding storytelling, a series that redefined a heroic legend through style and mythos, giving the world the definitive Cape Crusader. With your co-host Vicky Ray, Joe Randazzle, Greg Johnson, David Grant, Matthew Rose, and Keith Shago as they unmask the ultimate superhero, Batman, the animated series as explored by the Literary Licensed Podcast. Seven's Batman episodes. And before we get started, let's find out who's with us. We got Vicky Ray with us. Hello, Vicky. Hey guys. Sean Stefan. Hello, Sean. Hello, everybody. Joe Randazzle. Hello, Joe. Hey everyone. I'm your host, Keith Shago. Before we get started, let's find out what we've been up to. Starting with you, Sean. What have you been up to since last time we spoke to you? Well, uh, I've been working like crazy. I uh, messed up my back this week, so I've been trying to just keep a low profile and relax i've been You're getting too young up. to mess up your back i know i don't know what happened i just kind of woke up and it, i turned to my side i turned to my side and i felt just like tender right in my lower back i don't know that's the only way i can describe it so i i the, i've been taking it easy all week i've been watching a lot of tv and just getting caught up uh i saw the twisted metal show i uh, love it oh my god I've it is glorious glorious trash and I love, love it. Every it is about it. the biggest piece of rubbish I've ever oh seen. Oh my god! It is fantastic rubbish. They, they gave <laughs> the people behind Cobra Kai and the people behind Zombieland uh, an asylum level yeah. budget and a cast, and they said, "Just do whatever the hell you want." It's about exactly. It's about I, I, don't, I have no it's idea a, what they're it's thinking. It's basically Deathmatch two thousand, the movie. That's and the the nods and the Easter egg. Because when I was a kid, I, I remember playing the first two Twisted Metal games, probably Twisted Metal 3, and Twisted Metal Black on uh, PS2 or PS3. I remember playing those games the most. And the lore is very simple. It's basically kind of like a Death Rage 2000 style tournament, uh, Battle yeah. Royal, last car standing wins. And it's all put on by this mysterious person named Calypso. And uh, whoever wins, wins would get their ultimate wish granted but it's always a monkey paw so it, it's a monkey paw type wish so you know you want to uh, give me you know all the money in the what world what was the Fine. deal with the fingers and they're wearing the earlobes and the fingers what was that well, well I think that's it was kind of a symbolic. nod towards mad max yeah. isn't it it's yeah a well mad i know max, i saw that or indiana in jones it could be anything but i mean, I mean I, what were they I, trying to what were they trying to i mean is this just the elite I mean, it's not, it's, 
I think it's just, you know, it's, it's what used to be done in Vietnam. It's, it's it harkens back to wartime imagery and things like that, you know, wearing the, the body parts as the trophies. That, that's why I, I, whenever I see necklace of ears or necklace of fingers, things like that, I'm just like, yeah, that it harkens back to wartime trophies and things Wasn't like that. that also in the, one of those house movies as well? Didn't he? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, probably. <laughs> Well, I mean, I did you think they kind of gave a little nod to Fast and Furious, too, almost? So. They gave nods to a lot of things in it. It was a love letter to... I, I said it was... Uh, if you grew up and were a, an adolescent, immature teenage, teenage boy uh, from 1996 to 2002, this show was made for you. Pretty much, this is, like, embedded in your head. And it, it harkens back to all... Whether it be the soundtrack, the jokes... The, right. the, the immaturity level it just hit me in a way that it's i'm like so, it, it was a lot of fun it took it, me thought... back to junior high it really did gathering with my friends playing twisted metal and just like the crudeness of that it all. clown what's his sweet that tooth I, that i do want to mention that because i have been a fan of the actor portraying the physical embodiment the wrestler samoa joe i've been watching him wrestle for over 20 years he is a I, i'm happy that he, he's getting a lot of great nods for this because you know, oh god yeah he's been wrestling for so long you can't keep in the style that he's been wrestling I, I don't i don't think he's going to be going forever it's nice to see him get into acting and get kind of a little bit of, psychopath yeah and it's hard <laughs> it is hard to pull off the physical embodiment of a character when somebody else is doing your voice especially when right. that somebody is will arnett and he could go a variety of ways with it and it's it works it, it just worked he was great as sweet tooth and i'm looking forward to season two uh on, on yeah, the i hope they make a season two i'll be I, it is their uh the they released a statement earlier this week it is their most binged show because the witcher is history. getting kind of well, The Witcher is finishing up, from what I understand. They're, yeah, I think but they, they left everybody hanging. You can't fucking yeah. do that. <laughs> that well, had I a mean, huge following. Well, you can't do I mean, that. The Witcher, That's what's the his Netflix name? profile, though. He, he left the series, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's, they replaced him with the Hemsworth, uh, not Chris, uh, the other one. The other one. Liam. Yeah, Liam, yeah. yeah. And that's problematic in a way. Yeah, kind of. well, that's the thing. The fans have already written it off. And I, I haven't watched it, but I heard that the, the way that... Uh, uh, Henry Cavill kind of wraps everything up is very unsatisfying. Well, the way he so, leaves in it. Yeah, it's very vague. It's just kind of, well, he's gone now. Uh, that's the way I've kind of been told. Yeah. I, yeah, well, yeah. outside, I mean, outside influences, the reason why he left because he wasn't yeah. happy with the quality of scripts. He wanted it to be more close to the novels and the writers wanted to do the I'm going to have to buy the books now because yeah. I'm just totally, fuck it, I give up. I'll just, I've only, uh, I've, just, just play the computer game. Yeah, I played Witcher 2 and 3 and I'm like, okay, I get the idea that behind yeah. this character. He's he's pretty he's pretty good. It, it, he was great in the role from what I saw from him. I'm, I'm like, okay, it, it does feel like he leapt out of the game. And I'm Well, just I thought the season was good, but everybody hates it. I liked the storyline. Everybody uh, hates it. Like okay, that's the thing though. Nowadays, when everybody hates it, is there the, an agenda behind everybody hating it? Is it just like are they jumping on because of how they fucked over Henry Cavill? Yeah, or, is or do they genuinely hate it? Like I just saw Secret Invasion. I genuinely hated that show. Secret Invasion. Our Secret Invasion. Yeah, I, I I genuinely hated that show because I saw the promise and I saw the premise, or saw the promise in the premise. 
And I and I just thought, okay, you have so many different ways that you can go with this, the shape shifting, the espionage, and everything just fell flat. And then you got to the finale, which uh, which is, I think, at present time, the worst reviewed thing Marvel. But you ever. liked Barbie. That's the important thing. I loved Barbie. <laughs> Barbie was fun. I mean, it, it, it's sad when you see potential and they go so. I mean, look like the Resident the Resident Evil TV series on Netflix. I liked it. I mean, well. I mean, they, there's so much source material that they could have used that could have been fantastic. Yeah. But turning They're not into do a second this, season, are they? No, because no one watched it. Because first of all, they keep the problem with the Resident Evil franchise is that the people who are into the games are so loyal to that franchise, and every movie and TV that they do, they screw it up. And there's no reason for it because the games and the folklore within the games is so rich. I mean, you could just pay, take the first game and just film it using a lot and well, better right. better actors in the first. Resident Evil Two is kind of the only universally accepted decent one uh, that is true to the games. I think, mm -hmm. and yeah. ex with the exception of what I understand, the the remake, which felt like they just kind of redid the first movie or the first game. Yeah, I, and I but it was it, bad because they took the first two and the first th two and oh, put them they, together. Uh, and and and, yeah. and and then they did this whole thing where Chris Redfield was a different kind of character than Claire. Yeah. And Claire and Chris are together, and the whole thing about is Claire supposed to be looking for Chris, you know? And it's supposed to happen a week after the first. And yeah, it was is a a really missed opportunity yet again. So I'm still I'm still annoyed that they killed off the army of Mila Jovovich's. Uh, that that was going to be the greatest thing ever. They 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 ended the third one with the promise: the whole million Mila Jovovich's with all their superpowers are going to take on the zombies. And then the first ten minutes of the next one, let's kill all the Mila Jovovich's yeah. and let's take away her superpowers. That's let's my next one. Spread. I've 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 seen the first three movies in the last couple of months. That's my next one is the fourth one. Uh, Enjoy the I, first ten minutes because that's all you got. I heard yeah. that. Um, I heard that. Uh, <laughs> I heard the Welcome to Raccoon City is actually decent, but I haven't seen it. I liked uh, it. I hate. I hated. I mean, I don't know. I liked you, it. Have you played a computer game? I played the. Um, I think I only played the first game on uh, like either PlayStation or one of those. You know, yeah. one of those uh, systems. Yeah, I was uh, really looking forward to it because I really thought they're going to go back to, you know, like do it the way it's supposed to. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, no, not another piece of shit. Well, I should preface it by saying that people told me it's a lot like a Lucio Fulci movie, which is why I, I kind of want to see it. Mm -hmm. So that, that might not be that might not be right in terms of the game. But someone like me who likes old Italian horror movies, that, yeah, I might dig it. But uh, you probably like that new movie that came out called Ritual Killer. Watch it. I haven't it's heard of it. Ritual Killer. What's it on? Uh, don't, don't give me the line. I want to say Peacock or Paramount. One of them. Okay. But, I'll, I'll look it up. It's, got, it's Italian film, it but it's got quick. oh god, couple houses in it, and it's got okay. it, it's a huge nod to Italian film. Just oh, huge. Morgan Freeman, Peter oh, Stormare. Okay. This is yeah, a great really cast. Good. I'll check that out. Yeah. Uh, it's on Hulu. Well, I mean, if you, like, okay. if you like Italian movies, the you know, jolly films and stuff, you'll like this one. And it, it's all Italian. Everybody just look at it. It's just like, I, I for a minute, I thought it was like an old Italian flick. Then I look at it, that's Cole Hauser. So then I went back and watched the whole thing. I liked it. A lot of people probably did. As it relates to the Resident Evil franchise, though, I will say this. I mean, the, you have that fan base that is looks at it you have to be true to the games there's a lot of 
games that are kind of like that where they do not translate on the screen and i think it's because the people making them are afraid of just well you don't want to do the game directly because well, how do you adapt there. a storyline that's a game well, that has so many possible well, variables you can do it resident i mean the thing about resident evil it's strong story it's, it's like yeah. last of us it's a strong storyline the Last yeah, of Us was is a perfect example. Uncharted, right. they just they copped out and they decided let's do the prequel, even though they already told the origin story of of Sully and and, uh, and uh, Drake in uh, in uh, which what you call it in uh, Uncharted three. So I mean, and it was already told perfectly. And then you told the story of the brother in in uh, the Lost or Uncharted four. So you already did a better version of it in the games. So there's a. Fr- a fear of probably copying it. Let's make it our own. Right. They could always go back to the games if they want to. That's well, it's kind of the vibe a, I always get. Uncharted was just badly cast. I mean, to be honest, Mark yeah. Wahlberg probably should have played Nick Drake and oh, Nick Spider- Drake, yeah. And the Spider-Man yeah. kid was too young. Yeah. Just too young. <laughs> he's not. He's not a bad actor. I'm not. You know, no, not yeah. Actor, but he just was wrongly cast. Right. I mean, because he, it was he, like watching a teenage Nick Drake who has apparently has this whole history situation behind him, and it's kind of like okay, and you know, it's like yeah. Nick Drake goes to high school. That's what it felt like. Yeah, <laughs> Nate Drake freshman year. Yeah, that's uh, it's I yeah I, I could see that, and and I, I'm with you 100. Mark Wahlberg horribly cast in that yeah. uh, is Sully. No, I think that. he might have made a better Nick Drake. He could have. He real. I mean, I think at the originally it was him. I mean, that that was in development hell for over a decade. I want to say it went over. Uh, uh, it was a re- originally a David O. Russell movie about a family of treasure hunters. At one point, <laughs> I want to say, uh, it, and they had uh, De Niro and Pesci were both ca- were uh, t- in talks at one point. So that Pesci being involved that shows how far back we're going. That this mm. thing has been in development hell. But I. I I want to say uh, Wahlberg was in talks for Drake at one point with De Niro. As so that would have made more sense. Yeah. Really. But then, you know, time, everything keeps going on. Hey, Spider-Man, we got him. We got him under contract. Let's use him, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Well, I think Naughty Dog, now that they have, they did, you know, they hit it out of the park with Last of Us might be a bit more. I think I think they, I think Last of Us kind of sets something up here where I think other things that yeah. follow. We got Fallout, the um, the TV series of that coming out soon with Walter Dragon. Is that also a Craig Mazin thing, or is it something completely different? Because uh, uh, I know he's been dipping his toe into a lot of video game wells now. Um, I'm not quite sure. I think it's um Jonathan Nolan. Oh, Jonathan Nolan. Oh, okay. And it's it's from the people yeah. who did um Westworld. That's- I was going to say that's hit or miss because uh, Jonathan Nolan, he has great premises. It's just sometimes they fall. They a lot of times they do fall apart. Uh, yeah. The writing so. is Lisa Joy, who wrote the scripts for Westworld. Okay, I like I, I like Westworld. I like the first two seasons. It's when it turned. I love into the one. first two seasons. It started losing me around. It turned, three. Yeah, three. It, turned, it felt less like Westworld, more like Watch. Yeah, I did. That's what I think. And, and and that's when I'm like, all right, I'm out. It's, yeah. It felt like you know, you, and also you made. Uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, way too OP. Uh, Evan Rachel Wood. I thought she. You couldn't do anything with her. She. All she had to do was just. It was like me playing cyberpunk. I look at the camera. I become the camera. I look yeah. at someone. I know everything about them. I know how to destroy their life in like a second. Boom, boom. That it just. 
it became it's fun in a video game but then after a while it gets boring yeah and it's horrible to watch in in, in uh television form yeah i can understand i mean um yeah i don't know i think they threw everything at it um and the first and second was excellent then when they got the third when they got when they go out inside the real world then it kind of yeah. got a, started getting messy yeah, they they dip their toe into the real world by showing like different resorts. I hated and stuff it when like they that did that. The whole, yeah. the whole point was to be in Westworld. That was the fun part. That was the. One, but the thing is, is once you kill everyone off, who's gonna go? Who's gonna go there again? Yeah. Well, that, they said uh, I started reading articles at the end of season two, and they said now we can show what the show is really about. It's a quest for immortality, and and the and the, who is the company that makes the bullets that that won't kill the actual people, but will kill the the androids right. and all that. And and I'm like, you know, you had a simple present premise. Yeah, Ro- robots going nuts in an amusement park. It worked for Jurassic yeah. Park. It's worked for Michael Crichton most of his career. Yeah. You don't need to you don't need to go outside the realm. It's it works. So. That's where like they kill Jurassic Park. The dinosaurs are in the real world now. Yeah, you know that last one. I'm sorry, I had such a hard time liking it. To be fair, I wanted to like it, but they didn't focus I on didn't. the dinosaurs. They wanted to it focus on the people. It was about the people. More dinosaurs. Exactly. I I thought it was a. I thought it was okay. My my problem is like everyone else. I thought they I should have done more with the premise of the dinosaurs being out in the real world. The best thing about it was the Colin Trevorrow directed ten minute segment that aired as a pre uh, aired as like an uh, uh, before I forget which movie uh, six months in advance is like a ten minute trailer that was the best thing in the movie and it's not in the theatrical cut you have to watch the extended cut yeah I, I think it's on I think it's on the extras on the Blu Ray and I think the uh, yeah, no. I think the I think what it's you're talking about is on yeah. you, I think it's on YouTube yeah. But that is the best thing in the movie, really. I mean, aside from the nostalgic money shots of getting everybody together on screen. And I love Jeff Goldblum because he's just amped up to 11 as Ian Malcolm in that one. He is. He just he's this is what what people expect me to do, do. So he's just he was overdoing everything. No one ever listened to him. He's he's, the only one that was so he was so Ian. He was so Goldblum. He was Shatnering. I have to agree with that. Yeah. I, I, I will i will say yeah. this it's not it's not the it's not the most you know brilliant cinematic experience ever it's but fine, one thing but... but one thing did happen at that at that screening that i you know that stood out to me when we went to see it in the movies when the movie was over everyone in the theater was applauding yeah so it's a crowd pleaser. Know, maybe it's yeah a crowd maybe you know everything no, was, i have everything to sit there and say there. that um or were they applauding because it ended? <laughs> I mean, I had to. Oh, yeah, it's finally over. I've never, I've never seen ends. Sam Neill look so uncomfortable playing anything in his life. Though he just to feel like he, I don't want to be here, but I need the money. <laughs> that man was possession. You have that feeling. And the thing about Sam Neill is that normally, you, normally you always get a good performance. Oh but yeah. This, for some reason, in this one, you just felt like. He just felt like a fish out of water. I don't know he was what. He's going it, through the motions, probably. There's, I think it's just this is too much green screen. Probably maybe. too much green screen around. Him. <laughs> green screen. And and there's and it's just so such an unnatural performance. You don't know what you're acting with. At yeah. least with Jurassic Park, they they had like robotic dinosaurs on set, and they gave gave you kind of an idea of, about what the look of things were going to be, and yeah. so you can you can act in terror. For so when they did the CGI, it it looked realistic. 
And it feels kind of weird to see like Sam Neill at this age, and he's kind of like not yeah. aged at all. And no, now, you feel like, and then you see like Laura Dern like catching up to his. <laughs> Sorry, his looks going like, oh, what's happened to her? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Age Sam Neill frozen in time, and Laura Dern wasn't. So it's like, okay. I think, I, I, I think the thing with these movies is the, the um, I think at this point, a lot of these, a lot of these actors like Sam Neill are just doing it for the paycheck at this point. Yeah. Cause they're oh, yeah. like, this isn't what I want to do. This isn't a challenge, but you know what this is. This is my, my grandkids are going to, yeah, this is a movie I can show my grandkids. This is a movie yeah, and they can watch, you know, cause you can't show them possession. <laughs> uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, I that, uh, probably like I can do this and this will make the money, but I can do the award winning stuff because there's not a lot of money to be made in those. Yeah, yeah. I could do this and make a ton of money right now, and then so that the I can do, year, yeah, so doing I the can indies, do whatever the hell yeah. I want. Yeah, I, it was I the, can do a uh, BBC the, the, series later on, and that's the only yeah. thing me So, um, Jane Silent Bob uh, Strike Back, you know, Ben Affleck's telling Matt Damon, No, you got to do this, you got to do the safe picture, then do the artsy picture. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like that. Then sometimes you do the picture because you owe your friend a favor. <laughs> and they both look at the camera. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so what have you been up to, Joe? Um, I oh excuse me. I've had this cough that's been <laughs> lingering forever. Um but <laughs> besides that and, and trying to suppress it right now while I'm talking, Sean and I started watching because like when Treat Williams died for some reason while everyone was uh was doing their tributes, I was like, you know, nobody talks about the substitute part two. So <laughs> so <laughs> I decided, hey, let's watch the substitute movies. So we started those because at, at, at heart, I like trash. I like trashy movies. See so your brain went in some your your brain went to substitute too. Mine that was uh, his career defining role is Mike Ovitz in uh, in the Late Shift, the made for HBO movie, where he uh, uh, sprung David Letterman from his uh, evil NBC contract. No, the substitute uh, movies are fun. So far, Remember? we we've yeah. only watched two of them. The, the first, first one was Tom Berenger. <laughs> he would just uh, not have the gravitas of a substitute teacher. <laughs> and the second was Treat Williams, who I believed could be a substitute teacher, but couldn't Absolutely. believe he was a mercenary. So <laughs> somewhere in between. <laughs> yeah. my, my Treat Williams, when he died, I watched Hair, and then I watched That's what most people, Dead Rock, That's what most people watched. Yeah. Most people watched Hair. Prince of the City. He was Treat Williams did Prince of the City, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. And he's in uh, Once Upon a Time in America, which is yeah. You know, a fantastic movie. I, See, love, I love Deep movie. I love Deep Rising. Great monster movie. Oh yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Deep, Deep Rising. I don't think I've ever seen Deep Rising. That's oh, really good. It's got Femke Jensen in it and um uh, Kevin the... Kevin J. O'Connor's in it. That's killer alligator movie, correct? No, or... it's the one where um it's basically they're supposed to be it's it's this cruise liner and some okay. kind of sea creature. Goes in there, and meanwhile they're on there too. I'm like steal all the get all the money, and they come oh, across. Oh, okay. It. And everything, and and they all and they all been, everyone in the cast, everyone on the ship's been eaten and gurgitated. <laughs> oh no, shit! What's it? Oh, called? it's a late nineties deep rising. Deep rising. It's really, it's a really fun movie. movie. I highly I, recommend it. It's, I think it's I'm so much fun. It it's got so much comedy. Lake, Lake Placid. I think I'm complete. Co- I love Lake Placid. But, I yeah, okay. I've never seen Deep Rising. I'll check that one out. I didn't know there were like four or five Lake Placid movies. 
And, and there's, this, there's this thing that plays through the movie that every time Kevin Kevin Connor goes, oh, what now? And there's something really horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, what I could just picture Kevin J. O'Connor. My God, I love that guy. He, he, he always just plays the perfect weasel in every movie he ever played. He, he was just like, just a wonderful weasel. <laughs> He's one of those people that he got really got a lot of promises during what Peggy Sue got married, and they kind of yeah. just went. Hmm. Well, oh true, my god, I forgot about that. that as well, Kathleen Turner was Peggy Sue, wasn't she? Yeah, she was. And oh Nicholas my god, Cage, that's a blast from the past. Nicholas Cage was the husband in H makeup. And nothing yeah. changed in that movie, basically, did it? Now that I start thinking about it. Well, it's Francis Ford Coppola. I think that the pro- the promise was there. <laughs> <laughs> the payoff wasn't the payoff wasn't no kind of like oh you know i think it's like oh back to the future mate this is like a Fran- francis vote coppola made back to the future kind of oh, like that kind of that kind of feel to it yeah it, it did kind of feel like that and then uh forget john carradine pops up at the end as uh what, what was he a priest or something john carradine yeah it's near the end of his life wow one, one of the one of the few like legitimate theatrical movies he had at the end of his life because he was doing <laughs> he was doing all the direct-to-video stuff and working like he was in a trauma movie at that point he was doing all those movies with fred olin ray and this was like an actual big movie for him which i think coppola was just you know like everybody was just a fan of his so let's cast him because i mean he's fantastic i just uh, i just saw stagecoach for the first time really uh, and Carradine's fantastic in that and i i, I expect him to be the slime ball uh, villain and he does kind of he does kind of start out that way but he he does have a little bit of a sort of like David Carradine or was it his son what's his name? David's his son yeah he's always cast in, in the villainous roles I mean I'm trying to think of where I've actually saw him in a nice role and I mean maybe maybe the the that the series he was in but that but that's oh, not yeah. I think oh, that's uh, it. Future, no, Future Force and uh, Future or Future One. Oh, that's that, right. He's the yeah, has, the two the, direct has, video sci-fi. Yeah, there uh, where he's drunk throughout the entire performance. I've uh, not seen these. Uh, I hear they're, they're both on riff tracks, uh, so I, I, I highly recommend checking him out that way. <laughs> he has a guy with like a mechanical power glove that shoots missiles and. <laughs> will fly no off shit. And I've never it, even heard of it. Oh, it's it's uh, he plays like oh, a futuristic cop or something. Yeah, they're very force, low right? budget. Yeah, very he's low budget movies force, from like the eighties. Yeah, yeah. I mean, John Carradine. I always, whenever I think of him, I, he's done such a lot of stuff. But I always think of him in yeah. Myra Breckenridge as the surgeon chopping off Rachel <laughs> Raquel Welch's <laughs> penis. <laughs> <laughs> The, yeah, I love Myra Breckenridge. I mean, what a strange movie. I mean, Tom Selleck and Farrah Fawcett. And Myra Breckenridge, well. I've never heard of that one either. Uh, it's a uh, sex change uh, comedy uh, from the early 70s. No kidding, yeah. I'll have to check it out. But yeah, I mean, I've, I've always liked him and everything I've seen him in, so... Uh, and, and because I watched so many older movies, and he is in... Ba- I think up until recently i think up until recently he held the record for being in the most movies of any actor in history i think james hong i think james hong just took him over recently what about um 
Robert Carradine is that his son or is uh, that's one of his sons? Yeah, the one he was uh, David, 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 David Keith and, Keith. and yeah, Robert Keith and David. Robert's are the one that was always in like the nerd films, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The nerd. yeah. And uh, the the granddaughter is Callista Carradine, I think, is Robert's daughter. I think Callista so. might or Callista might have been his daughter. I don't know, but yeah, it's a big acting family. <laughs> I guess. Pretty well, cool. it's. Well, if um, according to legend, the reason you see John Carradine and he never turned down any of the roles, uh, any role that was ever offered to him was because he had so many kids with so many different women that he constantly owed child support. So he was oh, constantly yeah. working no matter what was offered to him. He'll take it. It's a day on this movie. That's what, uh, oftentimes when. Um, well, when I, we, I'm trying to understand. I, I mean, I mean, John Carradine. Well, yeah. But is it John Carradine we're talking about? John is the yeah. John is the yeah, elder. Oh, oh, John older. He's, he's the one that was I, I in the Universal about, Monsters he, and stuff I like that. I think he was born old. I'm just trying to imagine a woman sexy enough, you know, thinking he's sexy enough to marry and stuff. But I guess you know. Well, if you if you if you see him as Dracula in the um, you know the uh, the Universal Monster movies when he yeah, when he re- true. he's in like the third and fourth Dracula movie the best or the fourth and fifth. If you ever seen the movie The Long Riders, a lot of the Keats boys and the Carradine boys. There's another family of brothers that was in that. It's called The Long Riders. It's about Jesse James and the younger brothers. But they all, I mean, all the Carradine boys are in that. They're, they hmm. it's it's kind of an interesting play. The, uh, I think they're. I think all all three of the sons are in Mean Streets too. Or was it just? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember if all of them were in Mean Streets by Martin Scorsese. I mean, John Carradine early in his career he kind of had that kind of roguish, Englishy kind of look. Yeah, yeah, and he had the he had the he had the long face and often had the had the the you know the mustache and beard and yeah, I, I could see why in his younger days a woman might find him attractive. But I mean, he he aged quickly, and I, I think that's just you know, all, all those all those kids, man. But I've always I've always liked him as an actor. It's um, I've always loved him as an actor. Yeah, he and because I watch so many older movies, he pops up in everything. So I'm lots const- of stuff you don't expect. Sometimes it's like, wow, is that character? Like, no shit. Yep, it is. <laughs> I, you know, hey, you know what? Good for him. He he knew he had to support a had to support a bunch of kids, so he never stopped working. And a lot well, of times when- he's doing what you love. I mean, a lot of people are too. Not even it's like, well, I can't take a role like that, you know, but some people just actually worked it. He might not have had a choice in, in a lot of cases. It might have been like, oh, yeah, right. I gotta, yeah, I gotta. That's why a, a lot of times when uh, Sean and I watch uh, watch a riff tracks or something and John Carradine's in it, there'll be the joke, well, John's gotta go. He's got four other movies to do today. <laughs> yeah, he has, he did do a lot of film, didn't he? Uh, yeah. 400 and something. I don't remember the exact number. He was oh, in over four hundred movies, not including television. He did Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, he was he was on a lot of TV too, um, yeah. and yeah, I, I think James Hong recently uh, recently passed him. Yeah, James Hong is the uh, the has the uh, greatest total of uh, appearances in anything. Wow, I don't yeah. know who James Hong is. Who is he? He's James Hong. Um, uh, uh, I'll show David you a picture. Lo- Bill, yeah. David Lopin in uh, Big Trouble Little China. He was he was the grandpa oh. in in uh, the uh, yeah. He has when you think about ones. it, he shows up in all kinds of. Shit, He's one dude. of those things where I'm like, there's so many that I could name. Those are the two top two. He was in the Best Picture and Big Trouble Little China is my favorite Carpenter movie. But 
yeah, he's uh, he's one of those guys that oh him yeah I've seen him in everything. Pretty pretty much it feels like he's in everything. Yeah, as soon as you say big trouble, um, China, can... you know, so uh, yeah. There you go. Oh there yes, yes, I know now. The great James Hong. I, so was yeah, he, uh, the, the, was he in um, Prince of Darkness? No, that was um, was that uh, Victor Wong? That was Victor Wong. Yes, that was Victor oh, Wong. I had a friend also that every from Big time... Trouble Little China. I had a friend that every time she saw an Asian person, an older Asian person in a movie, she always asked. She always used to ask me, "Is that Pat Morita?" <laughs> They're not all every Pat Morita. Every single time, back in the eighties, oh, not, not every not every Asian actor is Pat Morita. No, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's awful. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I guess back. I guess back then you can get. I mean, I don't. I don't. You know. I don't think I don't think you can get away with that. Now. <laughs> have you have you guys seen that that clip of that uh, that newscaster interviewing Samuel L. Jackson and uh, asking him about Bitch, uh, I'm not Lawrence Fishburne? Yeah, asking him about a movie that Lawrence Fishburne was in. <laughs> no, so, the Ma- so the Matrix. Tell me what it was like being Morpheus. Excuse me. <laughs> never has a mother, never has a mother was watching up. more than at that moment. I was watching Modern Family, yeah. and Mitch gets a job in this law firm that's headed by this a black woman, and there's a picture <laughs> on the wall of this person with you know the beret, and he goes, "I didn't know you know Samuel Jackson." And the woman goes, "That's my mother." <laughs> <laughs> but all the way, and then he goes, "Oh, is that oh your grandmother?" God. And then, and then at one point he goes, "Is that your grandmother?" He goes, "No, that's Maya Angelou." <laughs> Laughing about the same, the Fishburne thing, Joe's saying. I, 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 I I'm actually looking up the clip. I'm all looking the up time. the clip, and I'm going to send it to you right now. It, it's <laughs> because tremendous. people make that mistake all the time. I've done it. <sighs> the look on oh, his face. The look on his face. He it's looks like he wants. It's funny. I never know what's going to hit me as funny, but it'll last me all day now. Like Samuel Jackson is literally on TV almost every day with a Capital One commercial. I mean, it's kind of hard not to. to, to He's going to be one of those guys that in 20, 30 years he might be. Uh, he he might break the record for being in the most movies because you know? he's in everything. I, I yeah. joke. I'm like he played Eddie Murphy's uncle in one of his comedy specials in the opening sketch. I mean, yeah. like, I'm I'm finding a lot of little small roles that he was doing in the uh, in the early '80s before. He I didn't really expect him out. to pop up in uh, uh, Sea of Love, the Al Pacino, uh, yeah, the Al Pacino thriller from 1989. And then when I looked it up on IMDb to make sure it was Samuel L. Jackson, uh, his it says Samuel L. Jackson, and the character was black guy. <laughs> the party was born song. to play. <laughs> to be fair, he was the same role in The Exorcist Three. <laughs> That's true. He's in Exorcist Three. Yeah, he's in the Dream Fishburne in one of the the first Death Wish film, wasn't he, Lawrence Fishburne? I don't remember. Uh, Yeah, he was the first or second one. Yeah, I know. He's one one of the thugs. I know Alex Winter is one of the. No, (laughs) Goldblum played one of the rapists in the first one. Uh, Alex Winter played one of the. Bill from Bill and Ted played played one of. In the second one, Lawrence Fishburne was in one of them. I don't remember which yeah. one. I do remember seeing. I remember watching my watch Death Wish was a couple of years back. I don't know that was Jeff Goldblum. I, I, yeah. I never years ago completely over man. Yeah, I mean Lawrence Fishburne's big break was Pee Wee's Playhouse. Yeah, <laughs> poor Pee Wee. 
We watched the uh, the the third Pee Wee movie, the obscure Netflix one, where it's yeah, that's good. It's good film. It's a, it's it, I was chuckling. It's it's a bromance with him and Joe Manganiello. Uh, I, I can never pronounce his name right. Manganiello. Joe yeah. I didn't even know he had cancer. Just... Yeah, apparently thing. he was very yeah. secretive about it. So he filmed his uh, "What We Do in the Shadows" uh, cameo uh, while he was undergoing treatment. Apparently, mm-hmm. so yeah, this was a. Uh, he was keeping it. Very, he didn't want to. It was the same thing like Norm Macdonald. I don't want to. Yeah. I guess you know. I don't want to spend the last. Well, I don't blame people for sorry for me. Their life private. And David yeah. Bowie too was like that. David Bowie didn't say anything publicly. He just kind of dealt with dropped, it. And he just dropped an album that told all of his pain, and then he died the next day. God, that, if you mm-hmm. hear that final album from from Bowie, Jesus Christ, that is a powerful, powerful album. Same with uh, Leonard Cohen's yeah final album as well. Just you, 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 you no feel they every. Well, I think Johnny Cash did the same thing, didn't he? Johnny Cash. He did. knew he was going, so uh, yeah. Rick Rubin got him and he had him record like four, four albums, four or six albums. I want to say. Yeah. You're gonna yeah. die. Get to work. <laughs> Sadly, yeah, that. it's got it. Does have that vibe to it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, as far Jeff Goldblum was a thug in Death Wish One. Lawrence Fishburne was a thug in Death Wish Two. Alex Winter was a thug in Death Wish Three. Ah, okay. Which Death Wish 3 is really underrated. It's just a stupid blow-em-up action movie. God bless canon films. <laughs> they didn't even bother, man. They were just like, no, it's just... Mark of Guy steals a camera. Film. Guy steals a camera. And you got Charles Bronson training a gun on him and shooting him. <laughs> At that point. <laughs> Charles and Bronson he... walks out of his building so because some people are trying to break into a car. He walks across the street very casually, shoots them, and then casually turns around and walks back into his apartment. <laughs> you gotta do more has to happen before you can shoot people on the street. Not in that, yes. not in that universe. Not in Death Wish. <laughs> no, not in that universe. But it's kind of funny because even Charles Bronson at this oh, point. I love it. <laughs> even when he is not making a Death Wish film, they were a Death Wish film like 10 to midnight. Yeah. Or Messenger of Death. You know, there would always be something where if you were anywhere in Charles Bronson's um vicinity uh, like yeah vicinity something if you were if you were a friend a wife a girlfriend a daughter anything <laughs> something terrible is going to happen to you and charles bronson is going to have to avenge you that's avenge every you. movie he made in the 80s yeah <laughs> 70s too basically yeah, yeah. yeah. well yeah it's, uh, since death wish death wish was the first one i guess yeah <clears throat> he kind of found remember, his footing then i kind of remember there's have you ever seen the film ms 45 yes uh, the mm-hmm. the first Sable Ferrara movie, yeah, that's that, kind that's of kind it. of a female Death Wish. Yeah, I love that film. That's really hard to who find. Who was in it? Who was the actress? I don't, know. don't remember I don't know who the actress was. I'll look it up real quick. Wasn't she but, like a one hit one hit movie? I, yeah, I don't think she oh, ever okay. did anything else. Uh, but I remember yeah, just as the nun kissing the bullets and then putting it. That was that was the the cover of the VHS tape I had. Mm. Uh, and, it's literally the first thing that shows up when I when I look up the movie is her dressed as a nope, nun kissing me. Going on a killing spree dressed as a nun. Oh, I'm wrong. Zoe Lund was actually she was in 14 movies. Oh, was she? Okay. Yeah. Uh, the other, one of the other ones being Bad Lieutenant. So Abel Ferrara that's... used her again. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's a that's a solid. Oh, it's on Shutter right now here in the U.S. at least. Oh, okay. okay. I didn't know that. So yeah, Vicky, if you want to see it, it's on Shutter. I'll check. What that is out. it? 
again? Uh, Miz 45. Miz 45. Miz 45. It's 45. kind of bleak. I will warn you on that. It's bleak. Yeah, very it's an bleak. Able, kind of an Abel Ferrara movie that's bleak? No. It's a really? rape revenge. It's a rape revenge movie. Yeah, it's kind of like I spit on your grave mixed with Death Wish. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a real crap. <laughs> <laughs> sounds well, like probably, a rollicking good time, yeah. right? We'll probably cover it in season eight under our WTF film festival that we do. What the fuck film festival? Are we doing that? Yeah. Are we the doing a, a pair of Ferrara movies or are we doing that with something else? Oh, we'll find oh, out. No. Who knows? I mean, I think the, the guy's my bit. I know we're going to Spider Baby and Thundercrack. <laughs> wow. I love Spider Baby. I fucking love Spider oh. Baby. I was going to say, the last Abel Ferrara movie I saw, I think, was 444, The Last Day on Earth. And that one was very, very bleak. Uh, I don't know if anyone's... It's about a movie about uh, Willem Dafoe. He's battling his alcoholism. And and the world knows down to the exact minute when it's going to end. And so it's just like, the whole world is... It's New York plunging into chaos... Everything is going, and he's just trying to do I, What's the point of keeping my sobriety? What's the point of money? What's the point of anything? And it's, it has very much like the road. It's just like, there's no happiness, no rosy thing whatsoever. It's a very, very bleak story. So I highly recommend it, but it is one of those that are just great acting. I want to say it's like him, T- Natasha Leone. And I love uh, her. Yeah, she's fantastic in it too. But yeah, I, Throwing it out there. If no one's ever heard of it or no one's ever seen it, 444, used, The Last Day on Earth. I kind of used to watch his films quite regularly. And then he did a The Dangerous Game with Harvey Keitel having sex with Madonna. And I just couldn't deal it with anything more after that. <laughs> That's the way was, yeah. was that Abel Ferrara? I didn't realize that was yeah. him. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, in the 90s, he kind of started falling off a little. Uh, the, his body snatchers film that was a really well done film body snatchers yeah. i was i was gonna body say I, I, his body snatchers although critics didn't like it it seemed you know i i i like it uh king of new york is really good bad yeah, lieutenant is really yeah. good um so maybe maybe it was like around the 2000s maybe then that he started kind of falling up falling off well a i remember bit. he did that conan interview where he was like completely wasted uh, yeah. I want to say, it was like around like 97, 98 or something, something like that. I forget exactly when, but that was probably promoting. Oh, what would it have been back then? I know he was working with Defoe. Oh, maybe New Rose Hotel might have been what he was. Yeah. Yeah. New Rose Hotel was 98. So that's probably what he was promoting. Sounds yeah. Probably. Willem Defoe is in it. Asia Argento, Annabella Sciorra. So, yeah, if you're saying he was working with Willem Defoe, that's probably the movie. I just remember Defoe and him both told the the same story about him going to do Conan while completely wasted. And it's one of those things you see it on. God, that is a drunk, drunk appearance on a TV. YouTube is your friend, guys. Yeah. Check it out. You can find that one on YouTube. And what about yourself, Vix? What are you even up to? Not a whole lot because it's hot. Yeah, we kind of stick close to home when it's summertime down here in Texas. But, um. Yeah, we got tickets to see Ted Nugent tomorrow in Fort Worth, so at least we're going to do something. But um, I finished watching The Cure, and I watched Ritual Killer, and I think Joe might like that. It might, well, it's kind of, actually, it doesn't, it's not really fast, but I liked it. And it is, it's so, it's so, it's just, it's an, it doesn't make sense. It's an American made Italian film. That's the only way I can describe it. 
I actually liked it, though. I thought it was pretty good. I like Paul Hauser, though. It's nice to see him breaking away from just Yellowstone and starting to get out there more into other roles. Um, I'm hoping they bring him back to Fast and Furious. He's been he's been this lingering plot line since uh, Fast 2. And, yeah. Uh, and well, they they kind of said we Joe and I visited revisited Fast X, and they kind of set it. I up haven't seen end, it yet. Do I, I want say to? Anything. I Jason see, see it for Jason do, do Momoa. We, do we have cars with with hydrogen stuff strapped in there orbiting the Earth? Please tell me we don't do that. <laughs> not, not yet. You have John. You have John Cena with a rocket firing car. But yeah, well, uh, it's John Cena though. <laughs> what do, are you gonna do with him? If you're gonna, I, if you're gonna see it, see for Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa is. Well, I heard he just made the whole movie. He does. He does to the point where, like, the movie actually suffers when he's not on screen. He is. He is literally playing the Joker. He is a guy who just wants to watch the world burn. That's what it looks like. Yeah, that's a good analogy because that's he is the Joker without paint. I'm gonna watch it. It's fantastic. What Maybe if the Fast and Furious get those cars that do nitrogen and go and they go around the world. Maybe if they go backwards, they can t- turn back time like Superman and bring Paul Walker back. <laughs> that is Fast X three. That's that's what oh, that's yeah. for so the big finale. Guys, they're doing a trilogy. I'm trying to get my husband to watch it because I watched it last night. Bullet Train. It got a lot of shitty reviews. I oh, like, like Bullet it. Train. I like it. I like Bullet Train. I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was great. I thought. I kind of see why Sony wanted to give the keys to the kingdom to Bad Bunny for a little bit with their uh, El Muerte movie. He, he's charismatic as the hitman. Almost I, oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. And, and I watched No Country for Old Men again. I haven't seen that in a while. The, 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 the thing about Bullet Train is just dumb that, fun. That's such a dark It is dumb fun, yeah. Oh, but No Country for Old Men is a horribly dark movie. You really pull dark. A, Bullet Train I is... I, first of all, I love anything with a good japan aesthetic I, I i love the bullet train aspect going to osaka the neon lights right. just i always love the look of of the tokyo streets bullet and, train and, was and just everything. i don't know that was just some funny shit i i laughed at it's things. yeah Let it's me. stupid fun it's yeah. stupid it, it, fun yeah, don't, it don't see it for any other reason than you just want to watch just cool I, action I sequences and fights did, um uh, brad pitt i think he does comedy really well you yeah did. He always yeah. did. I, I mean, his the first time I saw him before at I before I saw the Freddy's Nightmares was in uh, True Romance. Yeah, and and I mean, just playing the stone Floyd the stoner on the couch. And yeah, I remember him. He was in um. Oh God, what was that? Uh, Isn't that Cohen film? Cohen Brothers film as well. Oh yeah. Okay, I mean, what he, movie was that? Oh, oh Thelma and Louise. But, That's the Bert, first time we Louise, all noticed yeah. that Brad Pitt had an outrageously fine ass. And that's, that's the, the one thing that everybody noticed in that movie. <laughs> that's when all that's when all women discovered and mo, and some men discovered yeah. <laughs> discovered, uh, discovered Thelma and Louise. He was just him and Rob Lowe were just too damn pretty. They just were. I don't know what it is. They're just no. too pretty. He he he, did, he wasn't that pretty when he was doing Dallas. No. Um, <laughs> what else did I watch? Um, How to become a cult leader on Netflix. Really interesting. Yeah, that things? was good. Yeah, I, I, I think I think I got another out. episode to go. Yeah, I want to be a cult leader. I mean, they make a lot of money, and they, they only do. all you have to do is find a bunch of stupid people who believe anything. <laughs> well, come, well, you are coming to the United States, so there you have it. We can yeah. start a religion when you get here, and it's tax, it's tax free money because you're a religion. <laughs> it's free. It's for me. Like that uh, that one woman in Canada who convinced uh, a, a small section of Canada that she's 
their queen and told them to stop paying their bills and send her their <laughs> send her really? their money instead. I haven't heard of this one. I gotta look her up. Yeah, she she uh, but yeah, that she would tell people that because you sent her money, you don't have to pay your bills anymore. You could stop paying your bills and just send me the money. And people were like coming to shut up their utilities, like, no, we gave to the queen. She said we can. She said we don't have to pay our bills anymore. Are and, you pulling yeah, my leg? That's a real. I'm story. not pulling your leg. Sorry. Uh, uh, this world is filled with uh, very gullible stupid we are, people. We really are. We, we really are the race. But, you know, I always think to myself, was like, why are they charging the, why are they, you know, I think, you know, the, the law went after this woman. But then I think to myself, I was like, maybe they should go after the people as well. Because they should, if you're stupid, they are not safe in society. Well, it's like, you know, it's been like we had this thing called Watchdog in this country where basically it's, where stupid people get caught up doing stupid, sending off, like losing their life savings to stupid people, you know, like a prince in Nigeria is, you know, give me a thought. If you give me all your money, I'll give you a million and people do it. So, and they're like, oh, you know, and they bring these people on there interviewing them about how, and they're crying about how they lost their money. And I'm thinking to myself, I was like, you're an idiot. <laughs> I'm like, why would you believe that? <laughs> so they're I, like, oh, we need, to, we need to jail this person. I was like, well, maybe they need to jail the people sending the money as well. There was, um, there was one woman that Sean and I worked with, and I'm not going to mention her name, but I remember she told me one day that she got an email about, uh, you know, about a Nigerian prince or something like that. This is like 10 years oh, ago. Yeah. They, they and I was like, you know, that's a scam. She's like, yeah, but what if it's not? I'm like, no, I'm telling you it is. I'm telling you right now it's a scam. Do not give this person any bank accounts. Like, yeah, but if it's true, I'll be rich. I'm like, and if it's not, they're going to steal all your money from your bank account and leave you broke. But the thing is, you kind of wonder if it's like, I mean, we had a, patient who kind of fell for something along that line and she's and she did that she did that she said that to me she goes what if it's real and i go i go i don't want to be funny or anything but why would this person think that you're special enough to even contact <laughs> yeah <laughs> like some random person i go think about it if they're royalty don't you think they have family members they can borrow money from not some random it, stranger yeah they, they will have a system to get around this you know, it's not fucking Anastasia and the Romanov family where they've all been killed off. <laughs> and I could tell you for a fact that I work with a lot of Nigerian and a lot of a lot of them tell tell us that I'm a princess or a princess from my country. Okay. And you think how many fucking royal families are there in Nigeria? I don't know, but everybody gets a Nigerian prince. I still get that shit on Instagram. You know, really, people still try that. They oh, still yeah, no. try that, or what the is- psychic. You know what annoys me most? I hate it when I friend somebody and they immediately start fucking texting me. It's just like I honestly don't know you. <laughs> don't start oh, writing. And they're always trying or, to get you into crypto. Like, oh, can I talk to you about cryptocurrency? Crypto, yeah. yes, and it's like. Didn't Let me we tell have you about crypto. cryptocurrency? Why are you writing me? Well, on Facebook, a big a big thing at the moment is um, you get these good looking guys contact or well, contacting me, and they'll be like, you know, their shirts off. And it's like I'm in the army and I'm serving in Syria, but I can't say my location. Can you send me like an Amazon gift? Yes. Card? Oh my god. Oh gift my god. card scams are something I recently learned about. Yeah. 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 
And the, funny thing, about, and, and the thing is that you can always tell who they are because their first name, their last name is a first name, like Johns or Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny, sometimes you have fun with them. I sometimes I have fun with them because they'll be like, oh, you know, I come from Florida. I go, oh, have you ever been to such and such in Florida? And they're like, yeah. And it's a place that I made up. <laughs> <laughs> But, but you I know, people, not to encourage but it, it must or... work because they wouldn't do it if people didn't react to it. So, but he, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he's probably got so many Amazon gift cards now from sad, lonely people. It's kind of sad, but it works. Yeah. Boom. So. What about you? What have I been up to? Um, well, I've been gossiping for an hour here. Uh, I've been watching the morning show on Apple TV. I highly recommend it with Steve Carell, Jen Cranston, and um, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. And a bunch of fantastic people who pop in here and there. Fantastic. I highly recommend it. It's supposed um, to be the last season, right? Yeah, I watched, I just started watching. I watched the first um, season one. I'm in that now. And it's all about the Me Too movement. And it's quite interesting the way that they turn it and the, it keeps turning back and forth. And Excellent. Um, watch Hijack with Idris Elba, which is fantastic. I highly recommend that. And I just got The Wrath of Becky, which is a sequel to Becky, which if you... Becky is bloody brilliant, and they made a sequel that's supposed to be... You've got fantastic reviews, so we'll probably watch that. That, that, one's, uh, that one's on Shudder right now. Or yeah, it's, something like it's that. It's about yeah. a 14-year-old girl who basically... Um, um, she's at the loss of her father. I mean, loss of her mother, and her father takes her to their summer house in the middle of nowhere. And three men show up, and let's just sit there and say it's the, a gory version of Home Alone. Uh-huh, nice, all right. Um, but the girl, the thirteen-year-old girl, is fucking brilliant actress, excellent. And um, like Myra Goth, they're like. You know, it's kind of like that has that kind of feel about how brilliant this is put together. And it's got a really good cast to it as well. It's got some name, names in there. So, has anyone seen Brooklyn 45 yet? I've seen the a TV couple. series. The, no, uh, no, no, no. You're thinking of Brooklyn Nine Nine. I mean, Brooklyn 45, yeah. the movie by uh, the, the director. We are still here. I was thinking about watching it the other day, but then I thought maybe I'll save that for around Halloween. Oh, season. no, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen well, it. How I is it? Stuff. It's good. It's um. It's more of a um. It's more of everything takes place in one room. Yeah, and it's good, and the acting's really good, and it has enough twists and turns to keep you interested. And it's all about Nazis. Yeah, uh, and, and something with a something with a, a a medium or something like that. So I, I yeah, I've only vaguely seen the trailer. I was thinking maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll say that for Halloween season to watch it during uh, during spooky season. It's got that, it's got that extremities feel about it. Do you remember like in Strem extremities where um, where they had Farrah Fawcett and they, they put James Russo in the um, fireplace, yeah. and you're never quite sure if he actually tried to rape her or not, or if it's in her head because of what happened. So it kind of goes back and forth like this with um, a girl that you don't know if um, you know who they're claiming is Jewish and that you know that she's done something or did, did she not? And so it keeps going back and forth. So it's quite, it's quite intense. It's well done. All right. I'll check that out soon. Uh, so yeah, maybe I'll save that for, uh, for spooky season. Cause it does seem like it's got a, a paranormal edge to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, it make a great stage play. It, maybe it was one. I mean, who knows? Yeah. <laughs>
I mean, uh, well, uh, yeah. What else have you been up to? And besides that, um, that's it, really. I've um, been watching bits and bobs here and there, but nothing too exciting. We're we're going through the whole Modern Family stuff at the moment, too. So, because Ferris hasn't seen that, and um, we're gonna watch the sequel to Wrath of Becky probably tonight. So that's about it, really. Work, strikes, Doctor Strikes. Everyone's on strike in this country, so yeah. Well, that makes fun. So we end up having to do extra work to cover up for all the doctors not showing up for work. So beat yourself, yeah. beat you know. Maybe I should join up with the union next time I get a job. So yeah, so I can have time off. <laughs> oh, and COVID's come back here. So yeah, so we're getting ready it's for been that. Getting around in in the Chicago area too, apparently. Yeah, it's been, it's been surging out here too. And I've I've had this lingering cough, <clears throat> and I kept taking uh, kept taking COVID tests, and it says it's not COVID, so I don't know what this is. But but yeah. to be fair, are our, our, our COVID tests up to date with this new? That's strain? true. Uh, you know, who, mean, like, who knows if it even picks up this strain? I mean, like, yeah, we don't know anymore. So yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. I mean, I, th- I think, I don't know how much of it is media go- running wild because there's no other storylines and how bad it is. Because, I mean, to be honest, here, this, like, if you get it, stay home. And then everyone's, uh, a couple people I know that's had it, it's been fine after a week. So, but I, f- I feel like enough of, the fo- uh, enough of the population is vaccinated that I am. I know Sean is. I am, yeah. Uh, so, mm. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if this has been, uh, like I said, all the tests are coming up negative, so. And if it's really bad, but then look, maybe the stupid people will disappear. You never know. And on that note, before I get any more trouble, let's talk about Batman the Animated Series. Our first episode is Terror in the Sky. When a giant-sized bat ransacks Gotham's harbor, Batman suspects that Dr. Kirk Langstrom is up to his old tricks. Taking the man-bat formula again, Batman isn't the only one. Kirk's wife, Francine, is so distrustful of her husband that she decides to leave him. After further investigation, Batman discovers that this man-bat is not Kirk, but someone else, and thus he shames Francine's father into permanently destroying the formula. So, Joe, what are your thoughts of Terror in the Sky? Uh, I I liked it. I had a few laughs with it, like the uh, the, the airplane door getting ripped off and like everybody doesn't get sucked out of the plane somehow. <laughs> and Batman's able to use the... Uh, like a little crane on the end of the bat wing to just close it, which it's so ridiculous. I was expecting almost the bat wing to kind of like nod the door up, like you give a little, <laughs> little, little elbow instead of the mechanical. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, this one, this one had a, you know had a couple of just ridiculous moments that like I I, I legitimately enjoyed. Uh, I thought it was a fun little uh, fun little episode. Um, I like the I like the twist that it's now that that Francine was I, I guess we can't call her man bat we'd have to call her woman bat um, man person <laughs> man man person so we're keeping the man we're just changing the bat person bat person Her-bat. bat person bat person bat uh, yeah this one this one was uh was, you know fun little fun little way to start out this uh, this little block of episodes. Um, uh, what what else happened in this one? I'm trying to 
trying to remember. One thing I had a question about is why was Langstrom having his wife's dreams? Because he was dreaming and waking up and seeing and dreaming about what was going on with his wife. Because because she okay. was she was That's the one who was it was going after the uh, going after the fruits in the beginning, and then he wakes up from the from the nightmare. Oh, go, what was that? Oh, go back. To, and he finds the mat. He finds everything. If that's not her, him, does he have a psychic connection? Some weird with... Corsican twins thing. Did the yeah. father give the daughter the uh, exposure to it? That's no, what she, I was confused no, about. She yeah, she pricked her finger and, got, and yeah. it got, ended up in her bloodline. Yeah. Okay. That was I the mean, only thing that really but confused women, me. But women it. have a way of like going into men's brains and turning them crazy. So that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't so goddamn easy, you know, <laughs> you gotta at least cut us, make us cut out some work for us. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I like this because I like what I liked about it is it goes back to the first episode, which I quite yes. like. And right. you know, we get, we get Landstrom. This is the third time you see Landstrom anyway, and I, and I like that there's a continuation. Um, I thought I quite, I mean, I quite liked it. And I, I mean, the father, I mean, he kind of looked like Don Rickles in a way. So. Kind of. <laughs> I, uh, I was thinking he looked like uh, that, that character actor, Michael Lerner. Yeah. Uh, a little bit. Um, I was impressed with the bat cycle and all of its diversity. Yeah, this, I think Sean, I, I, um, no, no, this is this is Sean's domain here. I think he pointed he pointed out during the uh, during the episode that I think this is the first time we've seen the bat cycle in this series. I think oh, it was. I ha you have to say something about the bat helmet. Oh, oh yeah. That's why they have a bat helmet. Made his head look like this. He looked like a Lego man when he put it on. It I just, <laughs> just popped it right on there. And then by the end of the episode, no more bat cycle. And like it was it was there and gone. We had to sell a quick toy. Let's get it out yeah, of there. Yeah, there you go. Move on to the next one. But yeah, it's I, I, I enjoyed this episode. Probably, I don't know if it's my favorite or my least favorite of the four, but it, it is. Um, it's fun. It was it's a fun. Nice to, it's nice I to know it's not to your Mad favorite Mad. of the four. I know it's definitely not your favorite of the four. That, that, we, that's we'll, for sure. We'll get, we'll uh, get to that. We'll get to that one. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but no, the uh, but this one, it's great to go back to Man Bat, which is such a tragic story in a way. Like he's he's just trying to crack the the scientist and he's trying to move on with his life and he's haunted by his past and now he doesn't know what's going on and his father-in-law is just screwing with him uh, or screwing with, with him in a way. Did anything happen to the father-in-law in this episode? Nothing happened, no. does it? Yeah. Nothing happens to anyone in this episode. He's in just... fact, but it's weird by the end of it yeah. like man bat and or, or langstrom's are, are they're cured but they're left on top of like a mountain and batman just flies away without them they're and, on a building aren't they yeah they're left uh, on I, think, I, 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 I thought they're top like a bridge are they top, yeah okay. it's a bridge it's a big bridge like, right? like, like, a, like the top, gotham, top of gotham the bridge? version of Go yeah gotham's version of the golden gate bridge yeah, yeah. <laughs> that exactly helped hey can we get a lift down no? I kind of okay. thought it was funny when he was trying, Batman was trying to get Francine with the, was it the antidote? Is that what he was yeah. shooting at her? And it just kept okay. sticking, <laughs> just like sticking in. A little graphic there, but I I, got, I thought it was kind of a cool cartoon. Well, you always notice Batman is kind of differential when it comes to women, but he was socking her ass. <laughs> so he finally started punching her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She's more bat than woman now. 
But I think um I think the reason why he had to be honest, I think the dream had to do with um his previous exploits. And then when he woke up and saw that there's a tearing of the rug, then he thought that, oh my god, am I am I doing is this? Is there something going on? Yeah. Yeah, it's just coming back to me him. So I think it's I think it's just he's probably just haunted from past experience, I would say. Possibly, but I mean if the 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 bat was if the bat came back in and tore up the mat and there was uh, the, the oranges were in the, uh, in yeah. the light. So that, that's the only reason why I, that was the only thing that threw me off about it. And I'm wondering he, if there is something more, but see, I, I just thought saying. that basically that he's, he probably has this recurring dream where he's the bat, but when he woke up and saw this stuff happening, he automatically thought it was him and not something else or someone else. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. You know, or I might be just trying to fill in spots on blanks where there should be no places blanks. <laughs> possible. <laughs> so, I mean, overall, I quite liked it. I liked the idea that they actually, you know, they went back to the beginning and they're they're moving the story forward. And I like it when they do like a recurring characters, and that's why I quite like it because yeah. you don't really get that in animated, um, well, animated cartoons. It's normally like something happens and you never see that those characters ever again. So I quite like that aspect. Well, this brings us to Almost Got Him. The Joker, Killer Croc, the Penguin, Two-Face, and Poison Ivy all meet at a poker's table, each telling a tale of times that they almost defeated Batman. At the same time, Harley Quinn is about to kill Catwoman after she rescues Batman from the Joker's electric chair, and Batman must save her. So, Sean, what are your thoughts about Almost Got Him? Almost Got Him is... Up until now, because I don't remember much in season three and season four, but this is the episode I remember the most from when I was a kid. It is my favorite episode of Batman, the animated series. Um, it It's just a fun little 20 minutes of getting all of your favorite villains together, shooting the shit at a poker table saying, you know, one time this happened to me. One time this happened. I almost got, I almost got, and they're all telling their best stories of how they almost caught the bat. It's very simple. And uh, it's a lot. Most people always quote it because of the uh, killer croc, uh, the killer croc line. I threw a rock at him. Yeah. It was was a big rock, but you know, it's and just (laughs) that's perfect. Awkward pause uh, in between that. It's all the stories just um it seems like of all the stories the joker is probably my favorite only because in his mind it's still stylized it's in black and white he's the he's the talk show host and and yeah he's showing footage of it but in his own mind it's all stylized it's it's all over the top and with the exception of him and the penguin they're the only two that got away with it so uh it's it's a just a fun little story. I this don't know. Was, I, yeah, this one was just all payoff with like no filler at all because yeah. like it was just starting out with Poison Ivy and her quick story, and you know, it, it's it, it moves really quickly, and it's it, it feels like it was a way <laughs> it was a way to do all these little vignettes that they wanted to do, but like they couldn't find a full story for it. So hey, why don't we just do? Let's do a clip uh, show. Yeah, yeah, let's do. I mean, not really a clip show because it, it's it's all new stuff. But 
let's just do something where we just show a bunch of uh, a bunch of climaxes to episodes that maybe we're never going to film. When did Catwoman and Batman become so close? Because I've missed a few episodes. In it's been slow and steady. They've had their Bruce and Selena have had their little escapades, but Batman right. and Catwoman have this. Will they, won't they? Hey, I'm going to catch you stealing, but I'll let you go because I know yeah. you know that that sort of thing. Where well, there's it kind of started with her going on getting paroled, yeah, and then it kind of and then it kind of carried on a little bit further when she was turned into a cat woman, yeah. <laughs> an line. actual cat woman, yes, a cat woman. And then it and and there, and I think Alfred was asking why when's his next date with Selena going to be. <laughs> Yeah. So that was that's been going on in the in the interim period and stuff like that. So, so. she's still a criminal in the meanwhile. Yeah. She's, a, she's a shade of gray. Yeah, because I I don't think we've seen her as a villain lately, have we? That's why I'm asking. Falling back into her own old ways. Maybe I now. missed something because yeah. I know Sean is like the go-to for Batman. I mean, she, has, she hasn't really fallen back into her old ways. She has tried to rob some people. But she always ends up putting it back, or if she, or if she does rob uh, the people, they're always bad people. So it's we were, it's yeah. we were watching them. I think it was Batman Returns with Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman, and they figure, out, they, they figure out they figure out that who each one of them are while they're dancing, you know. And I got a kick out of it. Does this mean we're going to start beating each other up? <laughs> yeah, it's my favorite scene. I love that movie. I mean, Catwoman is, I mean, she's she's not really a criminal, really. She's more of, she's almost a vigilante, she, really. Well, she was, though, in the in the beginning, in the Batman movie, or the, the series with Adam West. But she she was bad then, kind she's of. Always a, she's always but she a had a soft spot. Yeah. She always liked Batman. I just find this intriguing. That's all we're Well, she's, um, but here, I mean, she's. Whenever she is up to no good, it's not because she's not looking to murder or harm people. She's stealing from them to right a wrong that they've done. Or she's helping people in distress. I've known. Yeah, yeah. kind of a, almost like a Robin Hood kind of. It is a Robin Hood. It's very Robin Hood situation. House. Well, she yeah. doesn't need the money, does she? Well, she was kind of a Robin Hood situation in uh, The Dark Knight Rises, too. I mean, she mm -hmm. was living in the in, uh, in the slums. She was ripping right. off Bruce Wayne and the 1% and the senators right. and the congressmen mm -hmm. and, and giving back to um, Juno Temple and all those other and all the other people living in her building and whatnot. Right. So, <clears throat> so yeah, they, over the years, she's evolved from just thief to thief with a heart of gold I do guess. we ever see a christopher walken kind of character come into the cartoons max shrek i don't so. i don't believe we get a max shrek okay. we did get we did get the penguins duck in the yeah. next episode that, yeah but, that's true but we did not but we did not uh i don't believe we get max shrek i was just now. wondering because he's that's such a cool character i don't know why i I think that was just Tim Burton doing a, a love letter to. Uh, it was definitely or, Tim Burton. You yeah, can definitely that's, tell yeah. his movies doing apart. His love letter. I mean, they stand apart completely. I will say this though: the, the one cool thing about this that does add to the to the lore of Batman, we explain where the penny in the Batcave, where it came from. Ah, yes. They, everyone for years, the iconic imagery: there's a T Rex and there's a penny. And, right. no, and and every you can look at the back game, oh, Batmobile, Bat Computer, you got your bats and all that stuff. Why is there a T-Rex? Why is there a penny? Those are two questions that uh, that all my friends always ask. <clears throat> now we finally know where the penny came from. I don't understand why the mint would just give it to him, but they decided, yeah, 
you keep it. And well, we, well, probably because it killed two henchmen, and they don't want to keep it. That is true, and they don't want to keep it because, as it's, we learned, it's either going to break every bone in your body, or if it lands face down on you, it, it's going to just smush you. Like a, it right. landed face down, it crushed those two people face down. So yeah, yeah, that, yeah so. we might not have said they died, but he implied <laughs> that if it happened to Batman, it was going to kill him. So we can only think that uh, they, are, they aren't wearing giant uh, rubber suits. So yeah, uh, yeah. they have a lot less padding. Yeah. I like the camaraderie of the villains together. Villains. I love it when they put all the villains together and, then, and just the way they're just like sassing each other. The snideness with uh, Poison Ivy and Joker is still there. It's not yeah. It's not as heavy. It's not as open. Uh, we, we don't have any ladies here. So in the absence of ladies, you go first. That's oh, great. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just oh, always. And her, her, and her battling with, uh, with Two-Face because uh, they used to date. Oh, that's right. That was her great. Death, the, there is a lot of great continuity that they draw back from. Oh, we used to. Oh, yeah. The Joker and Penguin immediately recognize. Yeah, that's clear. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. So yeah, I, 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 I highly I highly enjoyed this one. Now this brings us to Birds of a Feather. Veronica Veerland is looking for a way to create a splash with her next party and arrives at the idea of having a former criminal in attendance, especially if there's one whose manners would create a stir. The Penguin, who has recently reformed, fits the bill perfectly in the process of convincing the Penguin to come to her party. Veronica finds she likes the corrupt, she likes the corpulent little guy. For his part, the Penguin begins to fall in love with her until he overhears that he is merely being used. So, Vix, what are your thoughts of Birds of a Feather? You know, I know that Penguin's supposed to be a bad guy and stuff, and I think Batman might agree with me in this this particular one. I actually felt bad for Penguin in this instead of yeah. getting, you know, my Jolly Rogers off. Oh, she's got one up on him. She was a total bitch. She's your typical blue blood stuck up twatling that needed to have her head kicked in for being mean to her. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even think Bruce Wayne or Batman liked the fact that she was being mean because he actually kind of liked her. And I think he was being sincere. So I thought this was kind of one of those co-ed weird things that I don't know. I guess they were there's high society and they were just looking down their nose at. There were a couple of times where I was just like, you know what, Batman, let let him kill them. Yeah. Let it go. Let him kill them. And and this is what I was thinking. But now, of course not. But. This is the second month in a row where we have somebody who's just like, hey, let me fuck with these super criminals. Because what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, I don't I understand mean, why. It was kind of mean spirited. I mean, because really, they, they got everything they want. And the, the guy doesn't have any kind of, there's no kind of anything comes back on him. But, but, the, but you know, but she, she honestly, I guess she was kind of getting fond or so she said towards the end of it. But this one kind of made me feel bad because I kind of felt bad for if that's possible because he's such well, a hate. Well, person. I guess it's kind of it's kind of a statement on how when, so when, erudite, you know. 
when people uh, get out of uh, get out of prison, they have a hard time reacclimating, and they end up falling back into exactly. their old ways. Exactly. Yeah. He was mm. pushed back into being a criminal. He it seemed like legit. He tried to be to turn turn. He the, wanted to be right. he wanted to be accepted, and he wasn't yeah. getting acceptance. And something we all can relate to. On some all level. of his all of his friends are gone. He goes back his penthouse, the rogues gallery. They're all they're not there. No one's there to greet him at the gate. He doesn't. I mean, this is a guy who's. Yeah, I feel bad for Oz. Maybe it's also because of the voice acting. For years, I've been used to the Cockney accent from Nolan North in the video games, or uh, the the new uh, Al uh, Al Capone esque you know gruff accent that uh, that they're putting on in the newer games, and that uh, Colin Farrell's doing in the batman movies that when you hear it just kind of a very it's almost i i, I don't i forget who plays uh the penguin it sounds uh, it's not billy west it's pa- oh paul williams paul williams does the voice of the penguin it's just, it's a very sympathetic voice and it, it's it's just one of those things where yes there's a aristocrat there's a high society that there's definitely uh something a look the ability to look down on everybody come you could hear it in the tone but there's also a lot of sympathy for this guy because he's pushed and pushed and pushed to the point that oh we're going to treat me as a joke i i genuinely loved you well, okay it's very well, mean-spirited to do that to anybody I, I don't like it when people do shit like that to other people i, I won't sit for it myself well the only thing I disagree with in this episode is I really don't think that Penguin should got arrested at the end of this episode because none of these people were hurt. No, it was a well, prank, um, basically. So you can't, it's not a crime. And to know. be honest, what they did to him, which Batman saw, or, or and even Bruce Wayne saw, yeah. time, and then he was kind of pushed into this. Not to mention so, the fact that Batman I, my question basically is if they, were, if they were, if they were this poor people, yeah. Would Penguin gone to prison, back to prison because of it? Because it's like, I mean, neither one, neither one, neither, neither the, neither the John Glover, he looked like John Glover. The- <laughs> I felt, I felt like he looked like Richard E. Grant. Yeah. I saw Richard E. Grant in there, yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm so, sh- mommy would just be totally gone. <laughs> it's it's the great, uh, he was voiced by the great Sam McMurray. Oh, really? Was oh, that who yeah. that was? Uh, Pierce Chapman. Uh, I was waiting for him to go Muffy. Muffy. Well, he, they, did Muffy. Men, they did name drop Muffy early on. Because Muffy. Muffy had a party that the Joker uh, the Joker showed up at. <laughs> Which is how this whole thing gets started. The Joker invaded her party. So uh, we need to have a party like that so that everybody will be talking. <laughs> Why don't we get a criminal to show up? And I mean, the, the Joker robbed us all blind, but we had some laughs. Veronica Veerland uh, was played by the great Mary Lou Henner. Uh, oh, wow. Oh, no yeah. shit. Okay. Yes. I didn't see that. I, mean, I, I think that's great how they get these certain people in there to do these these voiceovers. And I, just, I would have never thought of Mary Lou. Okay. Interestingly enough, when they record these episodes, they get all the cast together for that episode, stand them in a straight line, and they record it, and they're all in the room right. together. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That, well, that helps with the uh, the camaraderie and the uh... and, and they and they do the drawing afterwards. Okay. So. Oh. Interesting. So yeah, that's probably the reason why it does so well, actually. So the drawings come afterwards, and what they'll do is when they're when they're doing recording the show, like they're doing Mark Hamill's Joker, right? And then because of certain movements that they'll make, the directors go, 
okay, to make a note to the animators, we want that in there. We need him to do this because this is what the actors are doing. And, they, and Adrian, Bar there's a there's some extra. It's not just one of the special features on this disc of where these episodes are. It's about the voice actors of Batman. He's got Adrian Barbeau talking and um, Mark Hamill and um, the guy who does Alfred's voice, Zembalist um, Jr. is in there as well. So, Is this the first time the Batarang shows up too? Or we've had the Batarang for a while, huh? The Batarang's been around for a while. That's his go-to. Yeah, I mean, that, that's in every... I think that's almost in every episode. <laughs> sort of thing. Yeah. So, But what I also... I mean, what I do like about you know, the animated series in general, that you do get these kind of turnaround episodes based on the villains where you kind of like look at them differently. And they're and they're no longer two-dimensional. They're they're to be honest, sometimes the villains in the animated series are more rounded out than they are in the films. You know, the Batman films. Well you know some of you, them. Yeah. Some, yeah. Uh, they even got Penguin looking like <laughs> like Paul Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he looks just like him almost, you know? You look yeah. at the pictures. Well, this brings us to our next episode, which is, what is reality? Seeking to prove once and for all that this is that he has the superior mind, the Riddler lures Batman into a riddle-solving contest and searches inside the virtual reality of a computer game in order to save Commissioner Gordon's life. In the course of solving the riddles and escaping the Riddler's traps, Batman learns that he is able to manipulate the virtual reality landscape much like the Riddler does. So, Sean, what are your thoughts of what is reality? This one, uh, it's a good uh, virtual reality cautionary tale from the early 90s. Because we had a lot of these back then, where uh, the dangers of VR. We did. It, we did. <laughs> I, 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 what, what was the first thing I the said? Dangers the dangers of like, what? He ended up like Job. And by the end of the thing, the Riddler ends up like Job in the, in the Lawnmower Man. And um. uh, we had a, that was the big thing. I remember going to the arcades. Uh, for the big virtual reality thing. And it was this 25 pound helmet that they would put on your head and lock it down. And you'd stand up in a booth and you get these 15 pound, you got literally about 60 pounds that you're carrying on you at all times with giant hoses and wires. And you're trying to do like mech fighting and it's just blocks and pixels and you're shooting stuff. It was horrible. It was a oh, horrible experience. They, they, had, they had a virtual reality experience at, uh, at one of the piers, uh, North Pier in uh, Chicago. And I remember my dad taking me to it as a kid. But I just remember it being such a horrible experience that I knew, I'm like, this will never catch on. Fast forward to present day, it's barely catching on. But it, um, it's one of those things where I these types of stories where people get sucked into a game and you start messing with their brains and everything like that, it seems like it's perfect for the Riddler. Uh, it kind of was. I always love hearing John Glover's voice. He's fantastic as him. Uh, but yeah, it's these are just those typical cautionary VR tales that we that we got a ton of this time in the in the early nineties. Like I, I I can't. There's so many of them. There are too many to list. But yeah, it's, it's very it's, cerebral. This one. Yeah. 
like he gets sucked into a world and it's it, he becomes uh much like uh, scarecrow would later on he kind of has like a freddy aspect yeah. to it where he's kind of just manipulating the world and even some of the imagery he had a labyrinth with the the upside down staircases that was very similar to what was going on and maybe i was just thinking of uh, nightmare five because uh, they, they had a lot of similar imagery like that but yeah. uh yeah i honestly the only thing i can think of is cautionary virtual reality tales of the early 90s and this is robin's fault and this is all Robin's fault. Yeah, because he's the one who got who got Gordon to try the virtual reality. <laughs> Just put, put on this put on this helmet that was given to us by a super villain. That it every time to... Robin shows up, he's just fucking something up. There was an interesting <laughs> thing. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, there is one scene that they did not animate Robin. He's oh the... yeah, that's right. He's black and white in one frame for one, some reason. Yeah, I saw that. I, we just we had to do a double take and go back. It's just one frame. They forgot to fill him in. Yeah, I just looked. Just like, wait, did, was Robin just black and white in that one? I guess they just they forgot to color him in. Uh, still, it doesn't matter. Just go to everything else. But yeah, they completely forgot to color him in. I mean, I like. I quite like this episode. You know what I like I about the Riddler episodes, though, is that I like to try to solve the riddles that they gives you. Yes. Yeah. And, so, and that's and that's what I quite and there's quite a lot of nice little riddles here to like to try to solve and how how is it going to end and that's what I like about the Riddler ones you know you know the you know the five gorillas and so on and so you forth. You know, well, I've never even heard of virtual reality in the '90s. That's how interested I was in it. You know, back then. Well, there's the Lawnmower Man, the Stephen King's Lawnmower yeah. Man is probably the big one that came. Yeah, the out. most famous. It's a really one, bad yeah. movie, but. I've seen it, but I can't remember oh. it. Now I'm gonna look it up. But there's a really good movie that I really, really liked in the '90s called Brain Scan. Oh, it's, yeah, it's Brain Scan. virtual reality pretty well. I really like yeah. that movie. Well, that I mean, you had the darkness of Edward Furlong's character. You had this insane performance by a guy who did one movie and then vanished. Like, well, he what, he did other movies. It's just this is, is the only like time he had like any kind of meaty role. I was going to say, what, what has this guy done? Because I want to see more with this guy. He's fascinating. Uh, I, th- I don't think he's ever done anything where he had like any like decent sized role since then. Okay, uh, I'll I'll look him up while you guys. Yeah, the guy, the the lead guy, I forget the character's name, but basically he's a Freddy Krueger s character who would, uh, the uh, trickster. The trickster. Thank you. Uh, Edward Furlong, loner, living in a house, uh, gets a virtual reality video game where he is simulating first person killing somebody does the thing thinks the game's over wakes up the next day and the cops are all over the house that he was at in his game combing over who trying to figure out who killed this person in the exact same way he did in the game and it just escalates from there into madness and uh franklin gel is in it too he does he's really good in it it's it's that one uh ghost in the machine the anti-technology. Oh God, the- yeah, Ghost yes, in the yeah. Machine with uh, with the one of them with uh, Chris Mulkey and Karen Allen. Uh, you had uh, there. There was a lot of anti-technology movies before, and then once they got it, once the internet became bigger, it shifted from VR and getting sucked into right. the world to the dangers. Now of it's the AI. We and, gotta yeah. be worried about. And let me tell you, I am not thrilled about artificial intelligence flying my plane anywhere. I can tell you that. Ain't getting on it. Or taking away everybody's jobs. That yeah, I'm more, I'm more more concerned about that. Yeah. That that's scary because you know that we're gonna be so responsible with that kind of intelligence. You know, it's funny we the, are not the, meant to be 
we are a species not made to last. I'm just saying. The, the artificial intelligence to fly airplanes is the exact same argument Miles Dyson made in Terminator 2 for why Skynet would be a good thing. Imagine not having a, a pilot that shows up to work with a hangover. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I... I I looked up oh. the actor T. Ryder Smith is the actor who played the trickster. Yeah. Most of the time, like waiter, like that shoe salesman. Like he's never like he's been in stuff, but never anything like with any kind of heft to it. So okay. he's still working. Like uh, like uh, he was on uh, all right. He was on one episode of Bull in 2021, playing a playing Doctor Latham, which I don't know, but for the most part. Uh, it's you know, it's like I said, it's waiter, shoe salesman, stuff like that. Z Zealot number one in Bioshock Infinite, like it's oh. all you know, it, it like most of the time, he irate man, like he doesn't have a lot of like actual characters, he'll just be like somebody basically in the background, but yeah, in, in Brain Scan, he's fantastic. <laughs> Well, I guess let's talk about what's our favorite episode and least favorite episode. Starting with you, Vix. What's your favorite episode and least favorite episode? My favorite episode, I'm going to probably go with, oh gosh, what was it called? One before it, not Birds of a Feather. Was it Birds of a Feather? No, it wasn't Birds of a Feather. That was the Penguins one. The one before that. Uh, almost got, almost got him. Yeah, that one. I, I like that one because like everybody else <laughs> talking about it, it was nice seeing them all sit down and, you know, around the table with the deck of cards and talking about, you know, a brag, you know, like, like, like probably criminals would do about their time that they almost got Batman. So I, I thought it was just a lot of fun and you didn't really have to think about it. You just got to enjoy this one. Well, so that's why I like that one the best. This episode became kind of so iconic that there's a there's a web series kind of based on an animated web series where all the villains from all the different superhero movies get the together. Villain pub. Yeah, the, the villains pub. pub, which is kind of it's kind of a fun little web series. Uh, it started off at, it started off as like the villain or the heroes cafe or the heroes diner where Batman and Superman would get together and kind of reminisce. And it would and Batman was like, you know, why I did that because I'm Batman. And that would always be Batman's joke. And that morphed into the villains pub where you'd have Palpatine, the Joker, Hannibal oh, no Friday. Oh, they're great. They're, they're hilarious. And they're all kind of just sitting around the bar. I think I want to say like Gollum's there or like the ISR. Like it's, it's just so uh, Michael Shannon is Zod is there. Michael Shannon Zod is there. Bane's there. You have certain villains who want to be let in or uh, Jared Leto's uh, Joker wants to be let in and nobody wants to let him in. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of good humor in those. Yeah. The, the, that, that's basically I, like, I feel like this is kind of the origin of that is, is yeah, them yeah, going, no, yeah let's, let's, uh, let, let's do something like that. Mm. Well, yourself, Joe, that's your favorite and least favorite. It's almost got him. Uh, I, I, I just have a feeling that this is going to be, if not unanimous, almost unanimous. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's all climaxes and, uh, you know, no, 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 no buildup at all. It's, it's, you know, mindless entertainment. Yeah. It's, it's just, these are, these are, you know, and this is coming from the person who suggested that we do anthology films next season. So I guess it shouldn't be a shock that, you know, the episode I like best so far is an anthology, is basically an anthology episode. Where like we're the just anthology, a bunch of short stories. They're, they're just so 
So easy when they're done well, when anthologies are done well, they're great. When they're done badly, they're terrible. Yes, yeah, I agree. But yeah, this by far my favorite. Uh, least favorite, probably the Riddler one, but even that one was kind of strong. What about yourself, Sean? Uh, easily almost got them. My, it's my favorite of the series. Uh, my question is uh, for everybody, what is the best almost got them story of the five? Uh, is uh, or really six, if you want to count Catwoman. That's, I don't know. Kind of partial to Catwoman, actually. Sure, this is the one that has the most continuity. Is she, uh, this, that was almost the time she managed to, uh, I flew away, damn it. You had a little twist where Catwoman's almost got him, was almost got him. Uh... Yeah, different, completely different way. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, yeah. I, I, the Joker's the most stylized Two Face. Oh, well, it's so yeah. iconic, Joker, Batman. I mean, that's that's sort of like cats and dogs being natural yeah. ladies after a while. So that Harley quite Cr- like the Penguins one, to be honest. Yeah. It, it was it. It showed a lot within his wheelhouse that we didn't know before, like you know, like the the hummingbirds with the needle, and the, and then by Batman, the cassowaries. Yeah, and the way he yeah. gets back at that and was able to use everything, you know, it's, it's it was. A lot, not so much using a lot of bat gear, but kind of using what was at hand. And I quite like that. Right. Yeah. yeah, he did have to be a little MacGyverish. Yeah. And I quite like the whole even I mean, even like with coming birds, I was like, I mean, can they swim in the rain in water? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I had to kind of look it up afterwards, and apparently they do have difficulty. Um, flying in the wind and the rain. It's like okay, <laughs> so I had to look it up. It's like, is that true? Oh, really? Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, which is not very I, good, is it? But uh, uh, I guess my least, the penguin yeah, one. The penguin one is is a solid one. It really it, it, it's it's uh, and also he gets away. He's one of the few mm-hmm. to actually get away from uh, with it all. But yeah. uh, the mo- I guess the most iconic is is Killer Croc, but it's not yeah, uh, the Rock. I hit him with threw a rock at him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot and, about uh, him until I saw that one. I thought it's, poison ivies could have been stronger. That's yeah. It kind like of, pumpkin, I, pump, lighting pumpkins is like what jack, jack lighting jack o' lanterns. Like, well, you have to buy the pumpkin first. And I did the the logic behind it didn't make a lot of sense. Well, they made fun of it, they, the whole concept. So I mean, yeah. it was not received so, well. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like what? So she's selling jack o' lanterns, or she's selling pumpkins, and then people have to make them in the jack o' lanterns. <laughs> I, I just uh, putrid just this- pumpkin bombs is what I refer to them as. Putrid pumpkin bombs filled with poison ivy gas. And I just, I just had this vision of like her and those two women like <laughs> cutting up jack o' lanterns. <laughs> <laughs> From a previous episode, so but yeah, but yeah I'd but, say that was that's my favorite. Least favorite would probably be uh, probably the man bat one, uh, just because I, I I even though I like the character of Kurt Langstrom and I like the and I like the continuity of it, I kind of felt like maybe it was it just something wasn't there. Well, these were four strong ones, so we, yeah, that's the thing. They're very, they're very strong. I hate it when he wants me to pick one I don't like, like with dark shadows or something. Because I mean, God, there's so there's so much. Just get a good block. Sometimes you just well, get 
a good block of shit. I, I'm sure at some point soon we'll have the scarecrow in his fucking poison gas again, and we'll, we'll be like, all right, <laughs> yeah, we've seen yeah. it from 37 fucking times, and that'll be our least favorite. I mean, I guess my strongest is you know, almost got him. I can't think of a one I didn't like because I thought it was. I think all four of them were really strong in their own ways. Yeah. And I can't think of any. I can't think of any weaknesses in any of the four either. Any, they're all well written too. Plot, so they're all very yeah, these strong. Are really, really good episodes. Really well uh, cast. Voice. The voice acting was very strong. Well, they definitely found their groove, didn't they? By yeah. now, this feels like this is. We're getting near the end of season two, and it feels like everything is clicking. Everything is just working. You, you, they know who these characters are. They can go back to them. We can call, we do callbacks in our episodes, and and we can further the story as well and keep everybody engaged. Uh, I I just saw a video uh, shortly before starting the podcast about, and they were talking about the Spider Man animated series that was also came out. I want to say ninety four or yeah. so, in ninety four or so, and that owes a lot to Batman. And, 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 and I mean, Batman and X Men are kind of like the quintessential Saturday morning comic book cartoons. Yeah, I, I yeah. think there's uh, whether it be just in terms of telling, you have Batman telling the more adult stories, and then you have the X Men doing the four or five parters, keeping everything together, telling a long form story over the course of a month and a half in some cases, and yeah. Uh, it really showed that you could take this medium that was primarily used to just sell toys to kids and actually elevate it to something that is a little bit more special uh, than just a commercial entity. It, it, it makes sense. Yeah. And it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to get back into this. What are your what? Okay, let's do favorite character and least favorite character in this block. Starting with you, Vix, because you love this, and this is your forte. What's your favorite character and least favorite character? I think of who I like. Favorite character. Let's see, who do we got? God, we got so many characters. Well, we got we got every villain basically. Yeah, yeah. well, I like all I the villains. Everybody. No, we don't have all the villains. Scarecrow wasn't there. Um, uh, I'm gonna go with Penguin. For for because he was in what two of two of these two yes. of the yeah and, and you, you really do start to get a set yeah you know, a sense for him you start you do kind of feel bad for him in that episode well he's got a story he's got a tragic sad story yeah. I don't know why I should feel bad every time I just I felt I just kept thinking of Burgess Meredith getting picked on well I mean I if think you... that's where it was happening with me it was Burgess Meredith was in my head. When, well, the you, when the college preppies were making fun of him. But no, I enjoyed I enjoyed um, Penguin the most out of these episodes. When Birds of a Feather, he uh, he does have the same uh, penguin or the uh, the duck, the mechanized duck that he has right. in Batman Returns. So if you want to if you want to connect it to the Batman Returns world, he was pitched off a, a freaking bridge when he was a kid by Pee Wee Herman. Yes. Yeah. So, so, I mean, like, if you want to get he's his whole life is tragedy. Yeah, yeah, and, and that, that would be love. his return it's, to high society because it's his just been darkness were... and cold for him. He, yeah, you know, yeah. everybody treats him like shit. So there you have, there lies the rub. You get a mastermind criminal wants to get back at everybody. 
And you can't really blame him because, you know, it was it was really mean spirited. I, I, I'm a mean bitch. Like, I'm not near as mean as Keith, obviously. But I mean, I, I've never could do that to somebody. I don't know. I'm not that mean. You know, I'm just not that mean. Not in that capacity. Keith's I'm catching capable for no of reason. horrible things. I am absolutely capable of horrible <laughs> things, but not something that, that that's just cruel. So. Keith will get back at her in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll think, I'm sure I've been mean, but not like that. That's just mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about who's the your least favorite? Yeah. Least favorite? Yeah. Probably, probably um, Francine. I don't know why. I don't know. I guess maybe they just like, well, maybe not Francine, maybe her dad. That that was I don't know. She was kind of, I don't know. I guess she was kind of strong. I don't know. The way she was written kind of got on my nerves. I don't know. I just expected I expect a little more um I guess you're gonna get the twisted ankle syndrome and the chivalry thing going on in these cartoons a little more than usual. But I don't know, there's just something about how she was written broke me nuts. I don't know why. I liked the cartoon. I liked the episode, but I don't know. She's kind of whiny. Maybe that's what it was. I don't know. And she's also blaming him when she's the one who's actually mad bad this time. <laughs> well, she, le- she leaves him because he's clearly back on the uh back oh, that, on the yeah, juice. that too. I mean she's just and then, so, and then it so turns out it's her. I even she didn't know about it. Yeah. I mean, she's totally uninformed of her own relationship. She here she is, one going out and doing the puckery, and she's blaming it on him. So yeah, there's that too. No, she's not. I mean, she's not aware that she's turning into the bat, though, is she? No, but she's blaming him, thinking he's doing stuff behind her back. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't you think when you wake up and all your clothes are ripped off that something's wrong? I, I, I would call that a good night. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. Well, normally I would call it a good night. <laughs> <laughs> Keith and I both went to the same place or something went really right. <laughs> <laughs> what about yourself, Joe? Who's your favorite and least favorite character? Probably the penguin will be my favorite because we did get to kind of bond with him in this in this uh this set of stories. And there it you know what happens with him does kind of tug at your heartstrings a little bit. Uh you do kind of feel sorry for him because he is trying. To go straight in this, he he's is trying. Crush to, on her, and she's just being cruel. He's just, just cruel. Which I think everybody can relate to. Yeah, you know the the idea that you have a crush on somebody and that person is going to uh, not only reject you but treat you really cruelly. I think we've all had an. Ex- I think everybody's had an experience like that. I'm some sure somebody's had a cruel experience. Yeah. Um, and I think in in this case. Uh, he's actually trying to do it's a it's a very flawed messed up person trying to do the right thing and getting pushed back into a life into of the crime. wrong thing yeah you know it's carlito's way you know <laughs> it's kind of kind of yeah so yeah that'd probably be my favorite least favorite probably robin because he just shows up and fucks things up yeah robin <laughs> again does Robert, <laughs> does Robert ever get his shit straight, or is he just fucked it up the next few seasons? Uh, uh, he, uh, him, and Batman have fallings out soon. So. Yeah. What about yourself, Sean? Uh, favorite character is 
is going to be the penguin. Uh, it's great to finally get to see this side of the penguin. He's definitely played as a tragic figure, uh, except at the opera. Because quite frankly, if you have somebody in a skybox singing along with Pagliacci and and interrupting the way that he is, they throw his ass immediately out, regardless if he has a machine gun in his umbrella or not. You don't do that. You don't sing over the uh, singer at the opera. I've never, I've, that, that's one thing. It's not like when you go opera is definitely different than a concert. Nobody oh, sings yes. the opera. That's for sure. Nobody's busting out lighters for the love ballad. No, no you're, you're not, no, you're not getting that. doing that. Nobody's doing lighters at La Traviata. That's for sure. Nobody's doing lighters <laughs> anymore anyway, and it's all cell phones now. Sadly, I still I'm, use I'm, my I'm lighter. Myself. I, I still use my lighter. My lighter. I, I use my lighter, and everyone. And I try me. really hard to keep my phone down at concerts now, so I can enjoy the moment. Nobody wants my pictures. Nobody gives a shit. Nobody. So. I, I have. I have a video of uh, of uh, who is it? Uh, lead singer of uh, Twisted D. Snyder, doing an acoustic version of "We're Not Gonna Take It." On my phone cool. from, a concert, from a concert from six years ago. I don't think I've ever shown it off or once or looked at it since. So, so your John I Carpenter just, I video. But yet yeah, my John Carpenter video of, uh, from me uh, seeing him live in concert has over half a million views. So, <laughs> no shit. Yeah. It's the, yeah, it's it's the only thing. It's the, the first thing that pops up when you search the Halloween theme on YouTube. His video is the first thing that pops up. One of the so. Halloween theme, if you type in the Halloween theme, one of the first things that pops up is my recording from the Aragon Ballroom. Really? Uh, I'm going to have to go dig that up. Yeah. He does this weird little talk up where he talks about, it's a beautiful night tonight. And it's, a, I believe in love and love will last forever. And then he'll, then he plays the Halloween theme. And, <laughs> uh, and, and then he does a little old man dance. Which everyone always brings up is his dad dance, where he does a little old man dad dance. Well, he's an old man. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Is that if you see him? By the way, I, I, just as complete aside, just mentioning, if you ever get a chance to see John Carpenter live, he's performing with his with his kids, uh, Cody Carpenter and and in and, uh, the band. He doesn't do much. He they are mainly doing most of the heavy lifting. Like if when they play the heavy Halloween theme, he he's not playing much. That's the bet. He just does the dun, 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 dun. Well, he's, he, he's in his 70s and kind of frail. I don't think he can yes. carry a guitar. No, I'm not saying that he's going to be carrying the guitar, but well, what I'm saying it's is all, it's all synthesized. Only, so. it's, it's all synthesized. And oh, well, he does have guitars uh, for the. Um, uh, uh, in the mouth of madness theme, which is and the uh, the vampires theme, I think he plays guitar. Yeah, he does oh. play some stuff for that, but yeah, the, in the mouth of madness. But it must look like a bit like the Crypt Keeper from um, Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> it, it, it does. It does. It does appear to be a near eighty year old man who may have a two and a half pack a day habit. But uh, to the point where, like, there was okay. a Tales from the Crypt style movie where he was basically the Crypt Keeper. Body bags. Yeah. Body bags. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he directed it himself, so he's got no one to blame but himself. I, I like to see John Carr. I saw I saw Goblin in concert. They did a concert here. I, they were uh, just in town. Goblin, no, were... Goblin's about to be in town. I'm I'm thinking about going because I I made the mistake of thinking it was while I was in, uh, I was going to be in Milwaukee for a film festival, but it looks like it's going to be the weekend before that, so I might go. It's worth yeah. it. Um, and then there's who's the one who does the Fucci films? The uh, Fabio Frizzi. Yeah, he did he did a concert as well over here, and they had all. The, you know they they have the backdrop of all the no 
films playing in the background sort of thing. I, I That's what they did with Carpenter. There was a backdrop yeah. of like all clips from all the movies of whatever theme he was playing. Yeah. yeah. But I, nice I highly recommend watch. the Goblin one as well. I mean, they're old now as well, so... I mean, that's the thing. I didn't care about the age. I those didn't movies were 40, 50 years see. ago. <laughs> I didn't get, it was the experience of seeing the maestro himself playing those songs yeah. with with. And, and for him, he's he's having he's having the time of his life playing with his kid. And you know, I'll go see him. I mean, the thing is, yeah. he's not going to be jigging about anyway. I mean, the thing is, is you know what I mean? It's like Goblin. They yeah. they don't jig about. <laughs> they let the they let the screen behind him do all the work. <laughs> There's like. I th- I think now if he does go around doing tours, he's just going to be playing the albums from, or the scores from specific movies. He did the yeah. anthology tour. He did the lost themes tour. I think he's doing assault on precinct 13 and he's just going to be playing the music from that. But uh, I could be, I, I'll go see him. Right. He comes up here. I'll go see him or when we move over there, I'll go see him because. You know, I mean, it'd be different if he was singing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, I think that, you know, and the good thing is, if you're just playing instruments, some of the things, I mean, you can do that to the day you die and you're quite good. Probably yeah. is if you sing. I saw, I saw Ella Fitzgerald um, before she, about a year before she died. And she, she had her, her legs are gone because of the diabetes and her Coke bottle glasses. She, and she was in a wheelchair. She opened her mouth and she sounded the same. Wow. Fantastic. See, and then I saw, and then I saw Peggy Lee after the stroke, and she could only sing out of one side of her mouth. It was like, rah, 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 rah. It was like it was no, cool. she didn't sing really. She couldn't. She couldn't sing, but obviously she needed the money. So yeah, so, it's, like Frank, it's like Frank Sinatra before he died. He couldn't sing either. Or yeah. Tony, can't, Tony Bennett can't bloody sing either. I don't know why they keep dragging his corpse out. But you know, they you know when they lose it, I don't you know when you're singing, you lose it. They really should stop. But if you're just yeah. playing, it, you can get away with that. And, I remember I saw Motorhead uh, and it was a couple of actually about a six weeks maybe before Lemmy passed right. away. And it was one of those things. It felt like he didn't, he shouldn't have been there. It almost felt like he was being propped up like a marionette. And yeah, got I remember to, to, those days. Yeah. Just, you just feel, you feel sort of like guy. Vince, that's sort of like Vince Gill should not be freaking singing for Motley Crue anymore. Oh, Vince Neil. Yeah, Vince Neil. Yeah. Yeah. I, they bring up, they, they go on this big workout excursion and whatnot. To he get just in needs shape to he go doesn't. away. He's, he's well, done. He's done. Dan, it's the same thing with Danzig. I love the Misfits. I'm the one of the biggest Misfits fans. Uh, they did their big reunion tour. He was sucking wind by the second song. And it was, you just felt for the I guy. love that they have all these revival tours. And oh, I too. Back for one last one. But sometimes when you're dead, lie down, you know? It's, it's, I get it. You don't, well, Danzig, he's going out on a solo tour right now. And he just announced that uh, due to a, a snafu with the tour bus company, he can't get a tour bus, which uh, is a nice way of saying, yeah, we can't afford a tour bus now. And he doesn't want to yeah. do, a, he doesn't want to do the van. So, yeah, uh, you know. Just stick to making really great movies like Veronica, and we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll forever celebrate. Yeah, I like celebrate. Veronica. I love that movie, actually. So I was trash. defending it, but two days ago. Oh, that is one of the greatest trashy movies I've, the shit I've seen. out of me. Veronica? Really? Not Veronica. Well, I'm talking about a horror movie. You must be well, this about one it. is, he made his own horror movie that was supposed to be a, a tribute to uh, the Fulci movies and the Jallos. Uh, but he cast it with all porn actresses, and it has all the acting quality of a high uh, high budget porno. Is the well, best yeah, way. You've got that. It, it felt like you know you the casting couch. 
the be- I, I, this is both an insult and a compliment. It feels like he shot what he knew, and all he knows is porno. And that's the best thing I can say about it, is, is it felt like, I, I'm going to cast a lot of porn stars, and we're going to do a horror, uh, we're going to do a, a Jalo. Two different movies. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely talking. You're thinking, I think of, uh, yeah, Verat- Veronica. This is Veronica. Oh, yes, yeah. Yes. Yeah, because mine's scary and visceral. That is probably, it's definitely not the one I'm talking about. Oh, if you, but if now you can... I'm mildly intrigued with other rubbish and trash, so now I might yeah. have to find it. Joe, real quick, what did you think of Verotica? Verotica is like if, if like somebody who's a horror movie fan but doesn't understand what makes horror movies work but had the but had the name recognition and ability to get a budget actually made a horror movie that's that's what it's like glenn danzig wanted to make a tribute to like italian french and spanish horror and anthology movies but didn't understand quite what makes all of them work yeah right. Like, and nobody was able to tell him no, I guess. <laughs> nobody was able to. Oh, he just made it anyway. I, I Nobody was able to, to you know, tell it's him, Tom- hey, this doesn't work. It's a Tommy Wiseau situation. It yeah. very much okay. feels like a gotcha. Tommy Wiseau situation. Gotcha. Um, we laughed our asses off watching it. Oh, yeah. Like, there's, it's bad. And it looks like a porno. Is it, like, worse than what we're normally used to me and you talking about? Or is it, like, the ultimate in bad? <laughs> um, well, this is so bad, it's actually, it's entertaining. Okay, until, the third, until the third story, which is a Marquis de Sade uh, style. No, no, it's uh, Elizabeth Bathory. Or, oh, Elizabeth uh, yeah. Bathory, excuse me. Elizabith Elizabith Bathory Elizabith Bathory style. Style and, and that, no, I'm going to have to find this one. damn movie now. Oh, it's probably pretty, it's pretty easy to find, I think. Oh, yeah. Probably had Tubi or something. I would. I, I was about to look, but I. Yeah, it's probably on Tubi. I almost guarantee What's it's it on Tubi. Again? I just lost Veronica. Veronica. Like erotica. I thought he was movie. talking about Veronica at first. Like, that movie scared the shit out of me. But no, Veronica uh, is actually very, uh, very good. Uh, Veronica. Oh, it's on Shutter right now. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, oh, you would be right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can check it out on Shutter. Now, it's going to be a hundred, a thousand degrees this weekend, so I got nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, this brings us to the end of the Literary License Podcast. Our next Batman episodes will be "I Am the Night," "Off Balance," "The Man Who Killed Batman," and "Mudslide." And this will be the um, this will be the beginning of season seven. And, of course, we'll be continuing our show with our Make Remake, which will be The Last Man on Earth and I Am Legend. And our Monsters and Bad Men, the last in our series, will be A Ghost Story and Disney's Coco. And as we begin Season 7, our book to screen will be The Little Mermaid by Hans Christian Andersen in the 1987 Disney film. So it's good night for myself and good night, Sean. Good night, everyone. Good night, Joe. Good night, everyone. Good night, Vix. Good everybody. And see you next week for The Last Man on Earth at I Am did extraordinary archaeological discoveries. It may very well change our history books as we know them. We were young, posters on the wall, praying we're the ones that the teacher wouldn't call. We would stare at each other.
Cause we were always in trouble And all the cool kids did their own thing I was on the outside, always looking in Yeah, I was there, but I wasn't They never really cared if I wasn't We all need that someone who gets you Like no one else right when you need it the most We all need a soul to rely on a shoulder To cry on a friend through the highs and lows I'm not gonna make it Forgiving eyes, looking back at me from the other side Like you understood me Thank you.